2018. As we wrap up the year, it's time to take a look back at the best discoveries and lessons of the last 12 months. Everything from the books I can't stop thinking about, the apps I can't stop using, the devices I fell in love with, and the one company that absolutely blew me away. This is episode 17. This is the Decide to Lead podcast with Russ Hill. Welcome in to the Decide to Lead podcast with me, Russ Hill. This podcast is for those who aren't yet the person they want to become and for leaders who are looking to achieve sustained, extraordinary results. The uh, if you're if you're one of the, I think people are one of two camps, right? You either love those end of year lists about the best books, the best apps, the best whatever of the year, or you think they're a total waste of time. If you think that those lists are a waste of time, you are not. You are not gonna like this uh, week's episode. If you do like those lists, like I do then uh, hopefully you'll find some value. We're going to talk about everything in this uh, show this week from the books that I just really found a lot of value in this year to the company that I was just completely amazed by. Some trends that I've seen as I traveled the world over, you know, I I haven't added up yet. I need to do that. Every year at the end of the year, I look at the uh, different airline apps and add up the number of flights that I took in the year. Last year, it was it was like 145. It was down from the previous year, which was 165 flights. It's just crazy. This year, my goal was to make it even lower than 145 to travel less. And I think I did that, but I don't think it was a huge difference. So anyway, so as I travel the world, different trends that I'm seeing, also devices that I've discovered from different people that have recommended to them to me, or I've discovered online or whatever, all that, a lot more is in this week's episode. So let's just dive in. The first category I want to get to is the book that I can't stop thinking about. This book, um, I read it twice this year. I went back and listened to several podcasts or interviews that the author did, And I just, almost every day, I have some thought that goes through my mind tied to this book. And the book is The Subscription Economy by Tian Zhu. Tian was, uh, I don't expect that any of you, maybe a few of you, but most of you have never heard of him before, most likely. He was employee number 11 at Salesforce. So he saw that company that's been incredibly successful build from the ground up, basically, and now there are other companies that he's been involved in or started up since he worked at Salesforce. And uh, the gist of it is that TN works now in the space of helping companies that are trying to get into what he calls the subscription. Other people call the membership economy. And I went back into into Kindle and looked at reread all the lines that I had highlighted from the book, which was a ton and I want to share a few of you, a few of them with you. The, the first to get the gist of what this book is even about, the, the premise of it is that we are moving from a, what he calls a linear transactional channel, which means that as a individual, I purchase from companies and, and those companies put one product in front of me, whether it's a car, a house, a, um, a box of laundry detergent, whatever it is. 
They put one item in front of me, they sell it to me, and then we move on. That's the kind of the end of our relationship formally. They hope that it's a good experience. Or think of a restaurant. A restaurant sells me a dinner. That's kind of the end of it. They hope that I'll come back, but that's the end of it. Well, under the subscription economy, you're moving from a linear transactional channel. So it just goes in a straight line that all lead toward the purchase to a what Tien calls a circular dynamic relationship. So instead of it just being one transaction, it's a circular dynamic relationship with the subscriber. So now the restaurant is thinking of me not as the person that's coming in, the diner coming in to purchase one meal. They're thinking of me as a rewards member who they are going to entice and build a relationship with and they're going to, to to service me in a way that I'm going to constantly be purchasing from them. I think I mean Amazon had a huge impact on this, right? Costco does it. Other companies do it. The automobile makers even are doing this now, selling subscriptions to cars. I mean, it's affecting every aspect of our lives. And so um, how does that affect companies? Well, TN writes a ton about it. I highly recommend the book, and I have time in this podcast episode to get into all the details about it. But he says that basically the way companies need to shift is instead of thinking about the product, think about the customer. So instead of being a product-centric organization, you're a customer-centric organization. And uh, one example that he gives, he gives a ton in the book that it's it's well-written and easy to read. And one, one example he gives is Apple. He, and, and it's funny to look at this because the analysts still are looking at Apple really from the vantage point. When you read uh, an analysis of, of Apple's quarterly earnings call, the analyst still all they focus on is number of iPads sold, number of iPhones sold, all that sort of thing. And TN says Apple's, Apple cares about that, obviously. But what they are internally really focused on is not how many iPhones they're shipping, but more about revenue per Apple ID, the lifetime value of that Apple ID. When somebody creates an Apple account, an ID, how much are they able to sell to them? What does that relationship look like from hardware to software, from apps to whatever it might be? What does that relationship look like? That's what Apple's focused on. And so just a totally different way of thinking about it. And I am convinced, I, I, I've drank the Kool-Aid, that organizations need to think about how can we build this, this circular dynamic relationship with each customer so that they aren't purchasing with us one time, but rather they're a subscriber to us. They they have a membership with us. It doesn't have to be a rewards type thing or something like that. But we, we it, it, the relationship doesn't end. The tra- the the interaction doesn't end when the purchase happens. And um, every not every company. Well, I mean most companies, if not every company, are looking for recurring revenue. That's what that's what investors care about. Whether you're a small company that wants to sell someday or whatever, or a large corporation, it's the recurring revenue, right? And the trick to the recurring revenue is thinking of of uh, of that that customer as a subscriber or a member rather than just a one-time 
purchaser. Okay. By the way, I wanted to add one other book because there's one other book that I've thought a lot about this year, and you're going to see some connections between lots of different things here. But another book I just had to mention, and it's definitely a runner-up to uh, Subscription Economy. It didn't impact me as much, but I found it fascinating, interesting. So much application was uh, The Everything Store that's about Amazon and Jeff Bezos. The Everything Store didn't come out this year, but I read it this year. I actually listened to it on uh, audio, on Audible. And uh, the story of how Jeff Bezos built Amazon blew me away. There are so many lessons, so many things that I picked up out of that book, so I highly recommend it. Okay, let's talk about a uh, – well, let's just go right from that into this. I wasn't going to cover this next, but I'll go to it now since they're connected. The next category, company, that blew me away in 2018. Any guesses on this <laughs> based on what I've just been saying? Yeah, it's Amazon. And I can't go into great detail, but I really got a front row seat uh, at Amazon this year. And so I, I've seen a lot. And the little bit that I would share with you is that, and this is publicly available, Amazon has a list of 14 what they call leadership principles. These are the, the way that Jeff Bezos wants employees to think and act inside of Amazon. It has shaped the way he's built that company, these 14 leadership principles. My belief is 14 is way too many. Jeff's pretty smart. He's proven himself successful. So you're not going to argue with him about 14 and get that list down. For me, I would like that list five or six, that there are five or six ways we want people to think. Jeff's got it at 14. I want to share just a couple of these with you. And before I do, just think about Amazon for a second. And, and we, we've, I've, done, I've talked about Amazon a lot in these weekly podcast episodes. Forgive me if you're getting bored by them, but I mean, the proof's in the pudding, as they say, right? I mean, Amazon, what they've done and are doing right now is phenomenal. So 560,000 employees, more than half a million, 160,000 of them were added last year. Amazon's growth is, I mean, $56 billion in revenue in one quarter. It's phenomenal. The stock's doubled in 12 months. So by every metric, pretty much, Amazon is an, an amazing success story of our lifetime right now, at least. So the way that Jeff keeps that alive and keeps it growing as he acquires different companies and grows the organization is he really focuses on culture. And so he has these leadership principles. And when you apply for a job at Amazon, they interview you not only based off of your skill set, which, which they would put under the category of strategy. What's your strategic skill set that you bring based on prior experience? But they also interview you based on your cultural fit. How do you stack up in these 14 areas that they've defined as being critical to their success? Here are two of them. This is all publicly available that I think are really revealing, if you will. The first one, and you will hear Jeff talk about this all the time. You've heard him talk about it if you've listened to some of the previous podcast episodes where I've, I've played clips of, of Jeff uh, being interviewed. The first one's customer obsession. I can't stop thinking about this idea this year. It has affected me in so many ways, thinking, how am I customer obsessed in what I do for a living? So here's the definition that Jeff and his team wrote about customer obsession, how they want their employees thinking. And, and by the way, he calls every employee a leader. So when you hear the word leader, he's talking about every single employee. He says he only hires leaders. 
So customer obsession, leaders start with the customer and work backwards. They work vigorously to earn and keep customer trust. Although leaders pay attention to competitors, they obsess over customers. That isn't, those aren't just words. That is how Amazon functions. When you are in their meetings, if you're in Seattle or any of their sites and you're in a meeting, they are relentless in talking about the customer. Everything is thought of from the outside in. They start every discussion, every thought they're having is how will it affect the customer, not from the inside out like most organizations. Here's another one I love. Another one of the leadership principles. They call it bias for action. And Jeff got this from, he'll tell you, he's open about it. He got it from Sam Walton. He, he saw that Sam Walton at Walmart built his company around this idea. And, uh, and so he incorporated it into one of his leadership principles. Here's the definition for bias for action. Speed matters in business. Many decisions and actions are reversible and do not need extensive study. We value calculated risk taking. So just think of the message that sends to 560,000 employees. Speed matters in business. Many decisions and actions are reversible. They don't need extensive study. We value calculated risk taking. So biased for action. I just, man, I love that. How many companies have you worked for? How many leaders have you worked for or with? That, man, their analysis paralysis, it takes us forever to get anything done. We study it and look at it and review it and shelf it and then bring it back and talk about it and put it in a committee. And, and then we lose our competitive advantage. So company that blew me away in 2018, Amazon. I hope the trend continues. I am very bullish on them based on what I have seen. Okay, a trend I can't stop thinking about. Trend I can't stop thinking about in 2018, absolutely employee retention. It is a problem everywhere in this current economy, and hopefully it will last for some time, but the economy, it is really hard to find talented employees. I don't care what industry you're in. I mean, it's incredibly hard right now. The two that I see the hardest based on all the work and traveling I've done, manufacturing from the engineering standpoint, the battle for engineers is brutal. If you're wondering why Amazon and Google and Apple are announcing these different markets they're going into and they're expanding out, it's all – they're doing it very publicly because it's all to battle for the engineers. There are other companies I'm aware of that are household names, very large Fortune 100 companies that are in that battle for those engineers too. I can't name them because of stuff that I know based on the work that I do. But that battle for engineers, if you're an engineer, you can pretty much choose where you want to go and you better be negotiating a good contract or a good employment agreement because people want you. So, and it's not just true in manufacturing and engineering. It's also true in healthcare. The, the, the nursing shortage has been around for a while. It's getting so much worse physician shortage massive so and i have a front row seat seeing that the way it's affecting organizations and uh and so those are just two examples it's true in all industries but those are the two most extreme that i've seen and so this employee retention concern whatever employees you have working for you in whatever organization you're in however big or however small two things that are critical to retaining employees that I've learned a lot about in 2018 are, and, and there's tons of data on it, 
We don't have time to dig into it in this episode, but we've, I've talked about it in other episodes and we'll do more about it in the weeks and months ahead. But if you're not helping your employees develop, they're going to be gone. So whatever that looks like, you got to figure it out. You got to have some kind of program or plan for it. But development of talent is critical to retention of, of employees right now. Just trust me on it. There's tons of data on it. I'm seeing it everywhere. The second one is being heard. And if you've listened to any of these podcast episodes over the last you know, 16 episodes, you know that I'm a big believer in employee engagement comes when people feel like they've been heard. So bosses, supervisors, managers, whomever, the owner, the entrepreneur, whomever it is in the company, we're intentionally creating experiences to where people feel like we're listening to them, we're valuing their opinion. I'll give you a quick example of this. So we started working with a company. It's relatively small, much smaller than we typically deal with. But there are strategic reasons why we are working. Our firm is working with this company in the Minneapolis area. And so there's a brand new CEO. He's only been on the job for a couple of months. We went and started working with him. And uh, and one of the co-founders of our firm and myself got on the phone with him last week. And we're coaching him based on the work that they, they want to double the size of the revenue and build a whole recurring revenue arm of this company within a very short period of time. And so we got on the phone and we're coaching him after we spent two days on site a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that we spent time talking to him on the phone, this new CEO of this organization, he's got a lot of experience with companies that have been sold to private equity. So he's really a great CEO at growing organizations in a short period of time in different industries. And uh, one of the things we got on the phone and talked to him about was we asked him, um, let's just call his name Bill just for fun. So I've got some name to reference. His name's not Bill, obviously, but we got on the phone. We said, Bill, in the next few weeks, you need to get in the practice of being able to articulate to your leadership team changes you are making, and they don't have to be huge, but changes you're making based on the feedback, constructive feedback you're receiving. You need to put time on agendas, whether it's one-on-ones or your management team meeting or whatever it is, Put on the agenda, make sure you're reviewing changes you are making based on constructive feedback you are receiving. It could be personal, a, a stylistic change to the way you lead. It could be a policy change. It could be structural change. It could be anything. But your employees, the team that reports to you needs to know and needs to be able to, to they, they need to know that you're accountable to every week making changes, small and big, based on feedback you're receiving. Why? Because it proves you're listening. It demonstrates how much attention you're giving to their thoughts and ideas. Then we said the second thing you need to do, or we suggest that you do, is in that management team meeting or one-on-ones with those employees, ask them what changes are they making based off constructive feedback they are receiving. Why is that so critical? It's because employee retention all day long. If you want to retain employees, you need to be able to communicate to them formally, casually, uh, across the board, things that you're adjusting based off of feedback that you are receiving. We could talk a ton more about that. We probably will in some upcoming episodes, but that is a trend. Employee retention, it's the concern of every major executive of every major company we work with, which is a ton. 
and uh, and I hear it among my entrepreneur friends, my friends who are uh, not clients, who we don't work with the organization, but they're executives of of organizations. It's just a big concern in this current economy. And if you want to retain employees, I would encourage you to focus on two things based on the success I'm seeing of people who are focusing in these areas, how they're able to retain employees and how well they're doing in employee engagement surveys. It's development and it's feedback. Um, It's changes you're making based on the feedback you're getting, which causes people to feel heard. Okay, let's get to some other some fun categories. The device I can't stop using. So I wrote down this this uh, this category, and then I started to think about, okay, Russ, what did you discover in 2018 that you just a, a device that you love? And I couldn't come up with just one. I have a list of several. And these aren't going to be breakthroughs. You're going to go like, seriously? Because you've heard of all of them, and a lot of you probably already have these devices, but they really are the ones that I can't stop using. The first one is an iPad Pro with a smart pencil and keyboard uh, cover. I'm a huge believer in this. I have a colleague who just got one of the iPad Pros with a pencil, um, which sounds so dumb, right? That, wow, the big discovery is a pencil, but it's a $150 pencil or however much they're charging for it these days that you can write on. Um, that's a game changer for me. I can make notes in a meeting. I can I can pop open the keyboard and be able to type on the keyboard. I've got everything right there. I'm not carrying around a laptop. I've had an iPad before. I've had one for years. The iPad Pro to me is a game changer. The pencil with it, the keyboard. I travel a lot. I know not all of you do. A lot of you don't. But those of you that travel, this sounds small, but it is a big deal to me because of how much time I spend on airplanes. I can keep the iPad open and work during takeoff and landing. I don't have to put away my lap. You have to put away your laptop. You don't have to put away an iPad. And you're connected to Wi-Fi on any plane, right? And now the trend in airlines is used to be that Wi-Fi started when you got to 10,000 feet and then clicked off when you got down to 10,000 feet. So it was gone for about 40 minutes of the flight. And uh, I know this makes me <laughs> this makes me sound like um, such a nerd, but this is the life I live in. Again, I know it's unique, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. But most, not most, but like uh, airlines like uh, Delta are doing it's one of the reasons I'm so loyal to Delta is Delta's constantly innovating and one of the changes they've made in 2018 and they're continuing to change it on their fleet is that the Wi-Fi works from gate to gate instead of from 10,000 feet. So so my point is during takeoff and landing I can keep working and I'm connected on that computer or on on my iPad. So I like it for that. I like it cuz I can take notes in a meeting and it doesn't look like I have my laptop open. So it doesn't look like I'm not paying attention to you, but I can be writing with my pencil, taking notes in amazing note-taking apps that they have. And I can also check some email real quick while I'm in there, sneaky, and you don't even know, <laughs> or respond to a text. So I'm totally connected in a meeting, um, and it doesn't look it doesn't look like I'm not paying attention. Um, I like it for that. I like my kids um, in church on Sunday when we're sitting there, and they're, they're not totally engaged in what's being said. Um, which, yeah, that does happen sometimes. I can give them the iPad and they can color. And it's not like they're playing a video game in church, which would bother me. But anyway, so iPad Pro with the smart pencil and the keyboard, huge for me. AirPods, oh my gosh. Yeah, I didn't discover them in 2018, but I've used them so stinking much in 2018. And we've given some, like my wife has them. Some of my kids have AirPods now. Some colleagues of mine got them in 2018. And they're just an, if you, if you have an iPhone and you don't have AirPods, you've got to stop wasting your time. It's worth the investment. 
I know it sounds stupid because it's just the same ear pods except without the wire, without the wire. But it's a game changer, right? Most a lot of you have them already, and so I, I, uh, I know you'll agree with me. But for so many reasons, they're a game changer. The last one, <laughs> the last device that I wrote down is funny because when I bought it, my kids made fun of me. They're like, "Hey, Dad," and I, I yeah, I'll say it. Um, I bet I don't want to come across uh, negative. Take it in the joking manner it's meant. But when I brought this device home. My uh, my kids go, oh, dad, you're like all the white girls at school now. Now, our family's white, so they're making fun of themselves and other people at school and their their schools in the areas we live. The area we live in is predominantly white, but, you know, they're obviously in Arizona. You get lots of other cultures as well, not as much as we wish, but um, lots of white kids. And so every white girl, apparently, that's what my kids say at high school, has a what do you think I'm going to say? You know it already, right? Yeah, they have a hydro flask. And I know it's nerdy. I know everybody, it seems like, has one. Or they have a knockoff. I don't know about the knockoffs. I had one that I really didn't think was that effective. But these hydro flasks, oh my gosh. The way they're able to keep a drink cool is, I mean, I live in Phoenix. So in the summer, it's 195 degrees outside. I could come back to, I have literally, this has happened to me. I've had ice in the hydro flask with a drink. I fly away for a day, come back, get back into the parking garage in Phoenix, 187 degrees outside, and there's still ice and the drink's cold in my car. That's how good those things are. They're way too stinking expensive, so I wish more competitors would come on um, because I need to get the price down in half. But Hydro Flask, I'm a huge fan. Okay, next next, uh, category. I hope you're finding value in this, and I hope I'm not rushing too fast. But I'm trying to make sure this podcast doesn't uh, go too long. Um, Best discovery I've made in 2018. Online courses. I had no idea this community was out there growing. And I know it's been around for a long time. So I knew at kind of a, a distant level that it was happening. But there is so much learning development you can do online right now that it blows my mind you've seen you've seen the ads for everything from master classes from movie directors i'm not talking about that those are crazy expensive maybe there's value in that i'm talking about the people that are that are building online courses um to 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 teach you skills the one i took which none of you are going to care about, but I'm just giving you an example. The one I took that had the most impact on me in 2018 was about podcasting. Isn't that funny? It's actually one I paid several hundred dollars for by a guy named Pat Flynn, who I'm a huge fan of. Pat Flynn, I just think there's so much I like about Pat. Um, but he, one of the areas he makes his living is teaching people how to podcast. He's had remarkably successful podcasts. That's not all he does, but that's one area. He's an entrepreneur based in Southern California. And so I took a podcasting course. I paid for it, and and uh, Pat had videos that were part of the course. He had some uh, worksheets that you fill out, different things. I found it so stinking useful. It was worth every dollar I spent on it. And there are lots of other ones. I've, I'm, I'm taking one right now. The jury is still out on me for me on whether or not this one's really worth the money. I think it is, but it's not as well built as the stuff that Pat and other people, lots of other people are building online. But the one that I'm taking actually right now is by Michael Hyatt about uh, setting goals so you have the best year ever. And um, I found value in it. I just think that it's too video centric. 
and um and too it, a little bit too fluffy for me um and you know with piano music in the background and and michael standing next to a fireplace so it's not exactly uh, my cup of tea but but it's it's but it, there's still value and again the jury's out i i think it's going to help me i think there's going to be value and i just wish it was done a little bit differently the point is there's tons whether it's uh linkedin you know bought lydia they or linda or whatever the crap they call it and they've got LinkedIn Learning now, a website that's that's got a ton of courses on it. I've I've looked around on that. I think there's a nine, not ninety percent, but a lot of the stuff that's on the LinkedIn Learning I think is junk. Quite frankly, I, I don't think they're well done. Then you've got Udemy, and um, gosh, what's the other one? Teachable, Teachable. These are apps that you can download and uh, and go in and find courses. So Teachable, Udemy. Um, learning from LinkedIn. I think the best one is Udemy and Teachable. But whatever it is, whether it's a skill set you're seeking to develop, whether you want to learn something about leadership, whether it's about uh, productivity, time management, whatever it is, there there are a ton of courses online. More to come on this because it's a space that I'm super excited about. But that's been one of the biggest discoveries I've made. And I found courses that are worth a lot of money and time. Okay, uh, apps I can't stop using. We're getting near the end of this episode, so I got to I got to finish up. App I can't stop using. Well, there's not one. There's several. Some most of these are household names, but I just I wanted to make a list of okay, what am I using a lot? And um, and I'll tell you why real quickly. The first one's Instagram, and yeah, I'm using it for the same reason you're probably using it. Well, there are a couple different reasons I'm using Instagram. Probably three. The first one is. It it's incredibly successful. That app is is attracting incredible demographics from young people. If you've got teenagers at home, you know they're all living on Instagram. So are adults. You're seeing migration away from Facebook, more towards Instagram, away from Twitter, more toward Instagram, away from Snapchat, more toward Instagram. They've done a remarkable job um, innovating in that product. And so I want to be in the space where a lot of people are are spending time to see what they're seeing not just from a personal connection standpoint, but from the standpoint of business and success and networking, what's happening there, what are successful brands or individuals doing in that space. I've got a friend, uh, uh, someone who I know, an acquaintance, who's a realtor, who's doing remarkable things on Instagram. I love what he's doing. It looks like he's hired a firm to manage it, but every day he's got a theme. Just the stuff he's doing is really smart from a realtor standpoint. I've got other people that are leadership type consultants do what I do who are on there that I like. Just lots of different things that I'm seeing. Uh, uh, personal fitness or or personal trainers on there. There's a gazillion of them. A lot of them, uh, it's just a chance for them to show off their body and there's not a lot of value there in their feeds. But there are, but there are people who are giving you tips and ideas and not selling you something, but just that are bringing value. And so I'm looking at all of that. Lake Powell is one of my favorite places in the world. There's a Lake Powell account that I follow that every day I get this picture of Lake Powell, my happy place that just makes me smile. It shows a different picture of, of someone or something happening at Lake Powell. Brilliant. So, um, that's one of the reasons I want to be on Instagram is to, 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 because there are so many people there. Um, second reason is, um, it's innovating, it's growing. So how can you build your brand there? Third is personal, just connecting with people. I've mastered how to use it, but if you haven't connected with me yet on Instagram, I'd, I'd sure appreciate if you, if you did, I'm looking to add value, um, to people that follow me there. And, 
um, looking to dramatically grow that next year. What's another app I'm using? How about Overcast? Overcast is a podcasting app. It's my favorite one um, for lots of different reasons. For time's sake, I won't go into it. But if you're into podcasting, I recommend Overcast. Google Maps, I had to write that down, which sounds so stupid. But can you believe how much you use that app, Google Maps? And maybe it's just me because I travel so much. But I use that. It's free, and I would pay $20 a month for that app. I'd probably pay $30 a month for that app because of how much value it brings me, and it's free. Just And they're constantly innovating. Some of the things they change, they get wrong, and it ticks me off that they make a change. Uh, but a lot of the changes they they uh, they make, uh, they get right. Things. Things is a uh, task app, a to-do app that I found really useful. There are lots of them out there. Obviously, Things is the one I use. Medium is uh, an app that I like. You have to pay for it to get total access to the content. But it's uh, it's a place where a lot of thought leaders are posting content. And uh, I find it valuable to subscribe to it. And th- there's no ads and no garbage in there. I find it efficient. Um, Evernote. Is anybody not using Evernote? And if you're not using Evernote, what's what's going on? <laughs> what's going on with you, right? That is my brain. The searchability, the search function in Evernote. I've been using that for, what, eight years, five years? I don't know how long it's been around. But that is a huge one. And then the game, my wife wishes I would delete off my phone, and I have, I have a love-hate relationship with it, is Clash Royale. If any of you downloaded that, it's, I have spent an embarrassing amount of time playing that, waiting um, for a plane, wanting to just be brain dead for a few minutes, but um, that that's a game I play way too much. Um, restaurant apps. Have you downloaded some of these? This, to me, is like a game changer in 2018. The ones I use the most are Firehouse Subs, Dunkin' Donuts, Payway, and there are a few others. If you haven't used any of these for ordering food, man, what you're or like Panera, you are missing out. The where restaurants are going with these apps is awesome. So Firehouse Subs, here's what happens. I love Firehouse Subs. And so on the road, they're generally everywhere I go or most places I go, and there's one close to my house. So I put in my order. Send it. Within 10 minutes, the food's waiting for me. I walk into the the restaurant. I interact with no one. It's sitting in a brown paper sack right up at the front of the restaurant. I take it and leave. The order is always right. It has been. Dunkin' Donuts, same thing. I like to order a breakfast sandwich from Dunkin' Donuts. And then maybe like one donut on the side. Anywhere in the world, anywhere in the country that I'm in, in the United States, it's sitting there. They get it ready in 10 minutes. I can order it before I get in the shower in the hotel room, tell the uh, restaurant what time I'm going to be there. And uh, it's sitting there. I pull up, go inside, don't interact with anyone, grab it. They've got my orange juice sitting there. Man, it's just, I love it. And then they're giving you rewards points. So I'm earning free food and discounts. I think it is, it's ingenious. I love it. And, uh, and I use it a lot. <laughs> so, okay, that is, we're out of time. So I got to stop there. Um, the next list that I've made is things that I'm excited about, things I'm excited about in 2019. And we're going to cover that list next week. 
Hopefully you found some value in this week's podcast. Lots of different things. Um, I know I've been all over the board um, in in this podcast, but I just wanted to share some some things that are on my mind as the year comes to a close. Things I've seen, apps I'm using, devices I like, books that I've read. I'd love to hear your feedback as well. So if it's on, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, an email, whatever it is, I'd love for you to shoot me a message with what have you, what books really stood out to you in 2018? What apps are you in love with? What uh, what trends are you seeing that uh, really uh, impacted you in 2018? I'd love for you to give me feedback. You can go to the show notes at russhill.com slash 017, russhill.com slash 017 for episode 17. In the show notes, it will tell you how to, how to get in touch with me. You can do that right there on your phone or uh, at your computer or using your iPad Pro. <laughs> Uh, when you when you get a chance thanks so much for tuning in can't wait to talk to you again next week as we look forward to what we're most excited about in 2019 have a great week everybody happy holidays to you hope you're enjoying this awesome time of year talk to you soon